Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. We are excited to be here. Excited for the Christmas season, Lord, to spend some time reflecting on that child that would be born that would change the world. Lord, we quiet our hearts this morning as we listen for your voice. As we prepare ourselves, Lord, to, to hear the words that you would hear, speak to us. Lord, for some it has been a busy, crazy week. And we're in a spot, Lord, where we are the last place we want to be is quiet. It's exactly where we need to be this morning. Lord, I ask that you'd prepare our hearts this morning as we sit around the table, as we hear your word, as we listen to your voice. Help us to focus, Lord, on the hope that would change the world. The hope that the Israelites would look forward to the hope that we rest our eternity on, the hope of Jesus. Lord, as we listen to you this morning, I pray that our eyes would be open, our ears would be attentive, our hearts would be pliable to be reminded that although this world offers nothing in the way of hope, you offer everything in the way of hope. May we be, Lord, followers of you who recognize your hand in our life, who are thankful for the God that you are, reminded that that hope is a candle in the darkness, that light in the midst of a dark world. May we focus on that, Lord. May we focus our attention to share that this Christmas season. In your name we pray. Amen. The scripture this morning is out of Isaiah chapter 9. Some of the, part of this scripture you're going to say sounds really familiar. We're gonna, I'm going to actually start in verse 1. So if you have your Bible, you can go back to verse 1. I didn't get it on the screen. That's okay. If not, you'll have to listen a little more attentively for verse 1. But I want you to listen to the scripture as Isaiah prophesies about the coming hope. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, 
You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and, his, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. May God add his blessing as we prepare our hearts this morning to sit around the table. Lord God, we are thankful for that hope in this dark world. We are thankful that Jesus would come and has come, that we might have that hope. In your name we pray. Amen. can't help but laugh as every year no matter what we do with Advent I don't know Ann got this new lighter thing but it's different and it doesn't work the same as I think the only the best plan might be Mark's plan from about five or six years ago when he brought the blowtorch with the clicker <laughs> I can I, I'm I, every year it doesn't look good maybe we can put a little bow on it and but <laughs> last year just so you, this is hilarious last year we had a uh, electronic one. I still have it. I, but the problem with that is you have to push this release so you don't get electrocuted. So no matter what we buy, I don't, I, I'm thinking matches or, or a blowtorch. I don't know which one. Blowtorch. I think the torch is a good plan. Uh, you don't want it too easy. That's, <laughs> yeah, they make it safe. Safe so no one can use it. So we're again in Advent and... Um, I don't know about you, I, I grew up not, I don't remember ever celebrating Advent, so that's something new that when I got here, that was um, a little bit different than I, anything I'd ever done in, in the past. Uh, you may have done it, you may have grown up with it. Brentley bought me some, uh, what is it called, Advent calendar yeah, with, chocolate. with chocolate, so, but now that I, now that I ratted it out, my wife will want half, so... Today's the day number one. I didn't eat the chocolate yet, but we'll maybe we'll go home and do that. So if you haven't, if you do, if you haven't celebrated Advent, um, and I don't know, if I put this picture up to help us to think about. Uh, there are four candles around the outside and one candle in the middle. Uh, each candle on the outside represents a different, of um, different facet or uh, different uh, focus. With the candle in the middle, the Jesus candle is in the middle. So I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking it's a lot like a diamond, right? The diamond is Jesus, and, the, and the, the facets that go around help us to begin to look at Jesus in a little bit different way. And so this week we're going to look at hope. Uh, next week uh, will be peace. Uh, the third week is joy. Joy is the, uh, is the pink candle, if you didn't know, um, there's a reason I'll remember it by the third week. I can't remember. It's uh, pink means there's a, there's a, I don't, the color means uh, something about joy. It's a word for joy. 
and then uh, love is the final week, fourth week, and then we'll light the Christ candle on Christmas Eve. Uh, but it, but as, we, as we think about Jesus in the middle, we will look at different facets of who Jesus is for the next uh, month. And, uh, and, and that's a good thing to begin to think about how Jesus, um, what part he plays in our lives. Um, there's one, you know, this passage this morning is from Isaiah. So Isaiah was a prophet uh, who foretold of this Jesus, this wonderful counselor, this uh, child that would come and save the Jews from what? Their wanderings, right? If you didn't know, and if you haven't noticed, if you read the Old Testament, the Jews were wanderers. They, they never really had a home. They didn't do a good job keeping a home. You may remember that uh, from the very beginning, uh, Abraham was called out away from his country, his people, and his family. And God said, listen, you need to leave this land where your family worships idols, and you need to be worshiping me. And he says, in order for you to do that, I need to get rid of those human things that you put in the way of me. And so Abraham begins the wandering, right? We remember that. Uh, that's in Genesis chapter 12. He begins to wander. Him and Sarah begin to wander. And God, he says, uh, God says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you a great nation. Um, and he, he does. And then we remember Moses in Exodus uh, 14, where they leave Egypt. And what do they do? They're wanderers. They wander around for 40 years. They probably wouldn't have had to wander for 40 years but they made a few missteps uh, in the process, but they wandered. And in this Old Testament passage, guess what they're still doing? They're still wandering in darkness, still looking for this Messiah, the anointed one, looking for that, that person. And, and, and you may remember uh, in the Old Testament um, when they were looking for a leader, someone to rule them, someone to... And, and God said, listen, all you need is me. And they said, no, we need a man. We need a human. We need someone. We need a Saul, right? We need someone to lead us around. And they continued to be wanderers. And in this time when Isaiah is prophesying, they're still wandering, wandering around. Um, do you ever think about how that would feel to wander and never have a home. We don't. I, we can't even appreciate that, can we? Because even if we lost our home today, we would, we would have some kind of connect that would help us and give us a place to stay, right? We live in a world where everyone, uh, very few people, actually don't have homes. So we we don't really understand that wanderer gatherer uh, mentality where we just go from place to place, and it's a very different life than we live. Uh, they didn't have big screen TVs because there wasn't anywhere to put them on the wall, right? There's no wall to put them on. The tent didn't hold them up very well. They didn't have a lot of extra stuff because they had to, be, to move, and they would move from place to place and to place. And it quickly becomes a very hopeless uh, life trying to, where are we going to go next? There's nowhere to put our shoes. There's nowhere to set our feet and to sit on our couch. 
the next spot, the next spot, and they would quickly, what, part of what happened there was there wasn't a whole lot for their animals to eat, and so they would continually move, and they would just be constantly on the move. Something we don't appreciate. For some of us, we lived in a house for our 20 or 30 years of, our, you know, of growing up, and that house probably is still in our family, right? It may not be ours, but we probably can go back to that house. And before that, that property was our grandparents, and before that, our great-grandparents. And, and so that's just so different a lifestyle than we live today. And I wonder if they didn't get somewhat hopeless about where they were going to go next, about where they were going to find the next meal, or where they were, what they were going to do. No one, nowhere, no hope. They tended to be hopeless people. And so, in the midst of this dark time in their life, Isaiah prophesies that there is a hope in the darkness. There is a hope that won't look like it does now. The hope of a new life. A life different than they had uh, experienced before that. I love uh, the Advent candle idea um, and what Liz Red talked a lot about, this, can't, this light in the darkness. And it's amazing how little light it takes to light the darkness. I was in the woods uh, Thursday morning before daylight, and it was beautiful, not much moon. And someone turned on their outside light, and it was probably a mile to a mile and a half away. And that light was like, ta-ting, and it was instant. I was like, someone turned their light on. And then, ta-ting, they turned it right back off. It was amazing how, now think about a 40-watt bulb, a 40-watt bulb, probably a mile to a mile and a half out there, one little light, boom, and it, turned, it lit the darkness, and I saw it instantly. As soon as I saw it out of the corner of my eye, I turned, and there it was, and then I turned it, and it turned off, and there it was gone. That light has a way of taking away that darkness. And that's what uh, Isaiah says. He says, you have been walking in darkness, but you have seen a great light. You lived in the land of deep darkness, but a light has dawned. And it will increase your joy. As a joy, he says, as a joy of when you rejoice in the harvest. Think about that for a moment. This, they lived a different lifestyle that they lived and died by that harvest. Right? If we have a harvest that doesn't work, what do we do? We go to Walmart and pick. If, if the deer ate all my green beans, which happened this year, I didn't get any green beans, right? I planted a whole row of green beans. They all look like stubble. What do I do? I go, yeah, yeah. I go to Walmart and I buy a can of green beans. What happened then? What happened back then? They didn't have green beans. If, they didn't, if it didn't produce, they didn't get it. If it was a drought, they didn't have a harvest. They lived a very different lifestyle than we lived. And sometimes 
It could be, it would feel hopeless. And so he said, this light that is coming is the same joy you feel when you have reaped a good harvest and your bins are full and you know that you're going to be okay for at least another year. That's this light that's coming. The light is coming. That should be exciting. The hope that we have that they had the same was this, that this light was coming. This Jesus was going to come and change the darkness into light. I want to tell you a story this morning about, uh, I got a permission to share this and I want to share it uh, with you. Um, I got a call on Thanksgiving evening uh, on my cell phone, really odd, I don't, I don't, I very rarely answer a phone call that I don't know the number to, um, because 99 times out of 100, it's uh, someone trying to sell me something or a robocall. But for some reason, I answered the phone on Christmas, or Christmas, I answered the phone on Thanksgiving Eve. We had just finished supper. I was sitting down at my in-laws, and my phone rang, and I thought that was really odd. It rang once, and it hung up, and then it rang again, and I decided I better answer it. And on the other end was a young man, a young man that a lot of you would know, a young man by the name of Joe Kohler. Now, I need to tell you a little bit of Joe's backstory. Joe was in our youth group for five, probably five, over five years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago. He was a teenager in this church. He came to youth group here. Um, his mom... Uh, was involved in the youth at that time. Joe was a teenager who got himself into some trouble. He started to do drugs, got hooked. Mom and dad did all they could to help them. We shed a ton of tears uh, and time and energy trying to help Joe get away from this addiction. And every time it ended the same. He would get a job. He'd be smoking pot. Get fired. He'd have an apartment. I remember, I'll never forget the, 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 the pull-out couch. I moved to a second-story uh, apartment. That baby was heavy, and it was in a, one of those little stairwells. It was about, felt like 24 inches wide. And we barely got it up the stairs just to bring it back down about two months later. And Joe was struggling. Everything he did, he would go back to the drugs. One after another. Mom and dad spent a ton of time trying to help Joe get out of that addiction. Well, back to the, the phone call. Thursday night, my phone rings. I answer the phone and it's like, hey, how are you? I'm like, dude, who is this? <laughs> I don't know who this is. And I, I thought it really it was a salesman. He's like, this is Joe Kohler. And I about lost it, complete honesty. I about lost it. See, Joe's been in rehab for two years. He's been in a ministry, uh, a rehab ministry in Texas. 
for the last two plus years. You haven't seen Joe because he's been gone. Joe got his life together. Not Joe himself, but God got Joe's life together. Joe was struggling and was pointed in a dead-end path. His plans, he had none. He had no plans for life except, when am I going to smoke the next joint? That was his hope. It was pretty hopeless. Two years later, Joe graduated about, what, about a month ago? And was baptized. That's a picture that I got sent at the end of October. Joe, there was no light in his darkness until he let God take over his life. That was the difference in his life. The first thing he said is, you know what, God? So when I, I'm, like, I'm on his phone, I'm like... Holy cow. I haven't talked to Joe. I haven't talked to Joe in probably three years. He begins to tell me about his life. How God has turned it upside down. How he's in a program and now he's working for the program. He's going to Costa Rica to, shit, to help others um, share their faith. He's working in this program to help others who have been where he has been. And God has given him a hope. A hope he didn't have before that, uh, that time. He knew of that Jesus before then. But God has changed him. And it was so good to hear a young man. I, I, I just, you know, I said, it's what makes ministry worth it. It's those moments in life where you, you realize that God is still working in very powerful ways. Even when you don't see it or feel it, or experience it. A light in the darkness. What a blessing uh, to hear of this young man's uh, change, the light that God has put in his life. He now has a hope. He now has a desire to serve God and share his faith. And when I asked, I said, am I allowed to share this message, right? I, did, I said, I'll share it without the details, because I didn't, I didn't know if he would be okay if I shared his name. or his... He said, no, I, I'm going out every day sharing my faith. I'm going out every day and telling people that God has changed me. He took me from this dark spot, and he put that candle in my life. And he says, I do that every day, and I want people to know. I told him, I said, Joe, he said, in a couple years, I'm coming back. He says, I'm going to come and visit you guys. And I said, I'd love to share the pulpit with you so you can share your faith and share that testimony how God has brought you out of the struggles you were in the midst of. It was hopeless, at least in my mind, it looked hopeless. And yet God was still working behind the scenes. Still working in Joe's life. The Jews were looking forward to a new life. Life that didn't look like it did before. A whole lot more like Joe's. 
They also looked at the hope of past deliverance, a past uh, time when God had been working. Uh, Verse 4 says, As in the day of Midian's defeat, do you know who the Midianites were? That's a good little mnemonic. The Midianites were beat up by the, by who? Gideon. Gideon rhymes with Midian. Pretty good stuff, huh? Man, if you didn't learn anything else today, the Midianites got beat up by Gideon. You remember Gideon? Do you remember that story? Let me tell you this story. I love this story. You know why I love this story? Because it, it reminds us how God works. And it's in this passage because it reminds the Israelites how God works, right? He says, for as in the day in Midian's defeat, he, they re, he reminds them, Isaiah reminds them, listen, do you remember how Gideon uh, defeated the Midianites? Remember that story? Judges chapter 6 through 8. I encourage you to read that on your own. It's a powerful reminder of how God works. Here's how the story goes. So um, I know you're going to have a hard time believing this, but Scripture says, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. Yeah. I know. That's over and over as you read the Old Testament. It's like... It, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so you know what God did? He said, listen, I'm tired of you guys. And he let the Midianites take over. And the Midianites tortured God's people for seven years. They would grow uh, nice, beautiful gardens, and just like the deer eat mine, the Midianites would come in and trample it all. They'd take all their stuff. They harassed them year after year. Took se- this is impressive. took seven years for God's people to figure out they needed to cry out to the Lord. I know you guys think, well, that's ridiculous. And yet it takes us seven years to cry out to the Lord, does it not? We're not good at that. The Israelites finally cried out to the Lord and said, listen, we're going nowhere fast. We need your help, God. And so God does exactly what he always does, which is awesome. He picks the wimpiest guy from the wimpiest clan, from the wimpiest tribe of the Israelite people. Isn't that how God works? You know why? He tells them straight out, you know why I'm doing this? I'm doing this because if, you, if I give you the, um, too many people and I give you the right, too many um, people to deal with, and I give you this strong warrior leader, you're going to actually believe that maybe it was that that made the difference. So he talks to Gideon, and Gideon's terrified. He's like, I'm the wimpiest of the wimpiest of the wimpiest. I'm not in a good place. I'm not your man. Go pick someone else. Sound familiar? God says, no, you're exactly what I need. He says, I'm going to give you 32,000 people. 32,000 fighting men. Sounds like a lot, right? It's a pretty good amount. Until you read the scripture, it says the Midianites were like locusts. They had so many camels that they couldn't count them. It was like the sand in the sea. God says, all right, I got a better plan. You know what we're going to do, Gideon? 
I want you to go to your men, your fighting men, 32,000, and I want you to say, any one of you who's terrified to fight the Midianites, go home. Take a guess how many left. 22,000. Two-thirds of the fighting force went home. So now he's down to 10,000 against what is like the locusts right? There's so many Midianites. Mind you, they were a force to be reckoned with. This wasn't some little army. They were terrorizing them all up until then as in their life. And God says, you know what? Gideon, I got one more plan. Take your 10,000 men down to the water and I'll have them get a drink. That's a picture here, right? He says, anybody who scoops water with their hand and drinks it, they go home as well. The only people, this makes sense, the only people who get to stay are the ones who lap it like dogs. When's the last time you went and saw someone who lapped water like a dog in the creek or wherever? Yeah. (laughs) 300 are left. How do you think Gideon's feeling that day? He's got 300 left, and God's like, I'm going to deliver you from this, uh, these Midianites. The story goes on, and it, God sets it up that uh, they all get a trumpet and a sword and a torch in a jar. Yeah. And I'll, I will not get a chance to read it, but obviously, God delivers. God delivers, and these 300 men. Push the Midianites right out of there. And they take and plunder all the Midianites' stuff. And Isaiah doesn't forget to remind them that God delivered them in the midst of that. And so I'll ask you this question. We've all been delivered at times in our life by God, and there's no other answer for those moments. You know what I'm talking about. Those moments where you, there is no other way that it could have happened. And if you want to have the hope of Jesus, you need to look at those past deliverances and begin to focus and be reminded that God has continued to deliver you like He did before. He hasn't given up. He hasn't abandoned you. And finally, there's the coming Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. It says, for, for us, to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Isaiah says there will be a Savior, someone who comes to be that king that you have been so looking for. They were looking for that Messiah, They were looking for that person to come and deliver them from the struggles they have had. One quick side note. I don't know if you noticed uh, in that scripture in verse 6 it says, uh, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Do you see the Trinity in that? Let Let me read it. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Do you see the Trinity 
being spoken about through Isaiah pointing forward to Jesus. One of the struggles that uh, Gideon had, as soon as he won the battle, guess what the people did? They said, Gideon, you're awesome. We want you to be our leader. We want you to take over and lead us because obviously you're an awesome leader. Isn't that what we do? As soon as we see a victory, we want to attribute it to something other than God, and then we hang on that. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you have continued to lead us, to remind us, to give us strength and understanding. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have continued to work in our lives, that the hope of Jesus is the hope that we look forward to both now and forevermore. Lord, we ask that you would continue to work in our lives, that we would, Lord, remember how you have delivered us in the past, remember how you have continued to work in and around us. May we be reminded of your love through that sacrifice that Jesus on the cross. In your name we pray. Amen.